Well, the rules of business feel like they got a jolt back in the summer of 2019 when the Business Roundtable came out and they announced a new statement on the purpose of a corporation. And it was really about companies operating for the benefit of all stakeholders, customers, employees, suppliers, communities, and and shareholders. So we've heard a lot about this over the last couple of years. We've had big name investors like Larry Fink of BlackRock weighing in as well. So addressing the changing rules of business, it's all in a new book. It's by Judy Samuelson. She is vice president, founder, and executive director of the Aspen Institute Business and Society Program. Her book, Six New Rules of Business, Creating Real Value in a Changing World. And she joins us on the phone in New York City. Judy, nice to have you here on Bloomberg. Tell me about the premise of your book and and what you initially set out to do. Sure. Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, You know, it's really, it starts with the premise that business is simply um, maybe the most important, certainly the most influential institution of our day, and we need it at the table to address any problems of consequence, and particularly these complicated long-term changes that need to take place. So start with that, that premise, and then just that, you know, the context and expectations of business are changing fairly rapidly. We've seen this happen during COVID time, but certainly before as well. And that business needs to understand this changing context and maybe work with the forces that are that are shaping the context. Well, and what's interesting too, you you use real life examples to spell this all out. And you had case studies, and which I always love. And I think about our audience, you know, love specifics and love anecdotes. So give me one, you know, case study, and what is the lesson that we learned out of it. You know, the one that comes to mind, because you started out talking about the business roundtable having, you know, changed up the definition mm-hmm. of the corporation, is I go back to the time that Roy Vagelos was, was the CEO of Merck and was engaged in the decision to whether or not to produce a drug that had no commercial value. But it was a, it was a cure for a devastating disease called river blindness that's found in river valleys in Africa and beyond. And he had to make the decision about whether to go forward. And he understood, he was, it was, he was a scientist, he understood that the real purpose of Merck required their ability to unleash this scientific talent. To, they wanted to produce, they wanted to be of use to society. It was in their DNA. And that if they refused to put forward a drug, that was essentially telling these scientists, sorry, you didn't get it right. Next time, find something that would be more popular in the United States of America. Huh. It, wouldn't, it, wouldn't have, it wouldn't have spoken to the reason people choose to work for a great company like Merck. So it's, it's just kind of a tangible example to me of, of real purpose, of clarity of what that purpose is, and understanding what has to be true to honor that purpose. Well, is it difficult, though, to do that clearly, especially if you're a publicly held company. And at the end of the day, you're going to have members of the business media like myself saying, oh, well, that stock's down 9% because they didn't make their numbers, which is something I'm often critical of myself. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying. Yes, I do. And it's a, you know, it's a reality of the world we live in. So, you know, business people don't get up out of work to, you know, people don't join companies in order to make the shareholders happy. It's not, it's not the lifeblood of why most people go to work in the morning. And I think in, increasingly business executives and leaders understand this. What the Business Roundtable was essentially saying, which has always been true, is that there is no single objective function. Yes, you have to care about your shareholders or they'll get really noisy. 
But to manage the business well and to build a business that you're proud to work in requires being attuned to a host of different inputs and and kind of consequences of business decisions. And these things are increasingly noisy because of the power of of the Internet, because of the voice of employees becoming more important piece of the puzzle. And you simply have to manage to multiple objectives. That doesn't mean it's all the same for every single company. Mm -hmm. Every company is different. And what has to be true for them to succeed over the long haul may be different than even for a competitor. So I want to go through the rules, Judy, but I want to ask you the pandemic. How did that impact any of your writing for this book? Well, it certainly slammed uh, right in the middle of the book. Um, You know, I think one, one kind of download from the pandemic is just that it's humanized the corporation to some degree, you know, this all of the, the conversation about the health of frontline workers and the, the risks they were taking and whether or not they were being adequately rewarded and companies playing with CEOs' pay in this moment, et cetera, it kind of put a human face on companies that we don't necessarily go deep into all the time. And that relates to some of the underlying tensions and changes and forces that are shaping business today. And they stay there, do you think? They're lasting? You know, the whole game is about whether companies are taking seriously the process of lining, aligning their operations and their decision-making with their intentions. We have had no shortage of CEOs speaking out in the last years, not just during the pandemic, but going back into the early years of the Trump administration and even before that, speaking to complicated issues around immigration, around the right to own a, you know, to bring a gun into a store or not. These social issues that don't always rebound to the business environment, but where CEOs increasingly have been kind of having to mirror what they're hearing from their own employees. And I think that, I don't think that's going to change, but it's still a complicated endeavor to set intentions or speak to the complexity of these questions and then make sure that you're actually scrubbing your operations and kind of rules of decision-making to make sure that they're aligned with those intentions. That's complicated. It it is complicated. I agree. And, you know, I was having a conversation with someone about, you know, how racism has really come to the forefront. And this individual said, you know, in some ways we have President Trump to thank that, that it really brought this conversation out, that to have, you know, a president that had very extreme views about things and others who had very extreme views about racism, that it really you know, created a very strong conversation uh, to some extent. That's kind of controversial, but you do, you know, you do wonder, um, and what this individual is saying to me is that as things start to get quieter and more normal in terms of the political environment, do does our enthusiasm for change also kind of die down? I think that it has pointed out domains where the companies have real agency. You know, executives have Mm -hmm. real decision-making power that deeply influence the kind of conduct and the well-being of employees. Certainly, they have real decisions that make that that either um, kind of stick with the status quo and, and fail to kind of review our assumptions, or mine these these moments and and try to figure out where in the company, where are the ways in which we can actually influence racism authentically from inside the enterprise. And I think that conversation is ongoing. And then back to employees again. I don't think employees are going to let business off the hook 
I think they are a natural bridge between the inside world of the enterprise and the community that's the host hosts the enterprise. And they are both the risk they they are both they are both keen to understand and to communicate the risks that they see for the business, but also the opportunities that are possible if a business does align with their real values. Yeah, I, I do think you, you know, you're onto something, and I feel like we've had a lot of conversations about that, that the future worker, the younger worker, probably yep. younger today, and then you know, who will be you know, that employee for, for years to come is certainly being an agent for change at companies because they're demanding it or they're going to go work somewhere else. And the same thing for consumers. I see it in my own daughter. Hey, listen, um, I'm just going to mention some of these these six, you know, rules that you lay out, you talk about co-create, don't compete, culture is king, employers are more than stakeholders, they are the business, corporate responsibility is more than your carbon footprint, climate change, that's a big one, and I think it's really relevant and important today on a day when we're seeing many states around the country that are either without power or dealing with rolling blackouts because of climate change. Yes. And it's also one where we've seen some businesses step up and raise the bar, and we've seen other companies kind of join them in the fray. So I think that's, that's a dynamic one, obviously, with a new administration that has a very different mindset about the need to address this problem. Um, business can be aligned with that direction as well and not be working at, at odds, but be working along with government. What do you think is the most different among the, the six rules that you've laid out? Which is the most difficult right now? Most difficult? Um, well, I do think that the, I think the degree to which capital markets is still in the thrall of shareholder primacy is kind of a simple way to measure and one that from which they benefit tremendously if they're right. Um, I think that's still a conundrum. I think we hear the intentions of business, but you know their CEO pay is is anchored for the large public companies. Their uh, stock price is the center of their pay package, and so they're internally conflicted mm. about these trade-offs. Where I'm sorry, it's ninety percent, ninety-five percent of profits have been sent to shareholders over the last decade. That's going to have to change if we're going to enable a kind of a a shared economy here where everyone benefits, and that ultimately has to be the long game if business is going to succeed. You can't have a successful business in a failed society. Which is a really great point to leave on, and I agree that in terms of dealing with some of the gaps that are out there in society, that's that's the way we need to do it. Judy, thank you so much. Really thoughtful. Judy Samuelson, Vice President at the Aspen Institute. Check out our book, Six New Rules of Business, Creating Real Value in a Changing World.